Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then what was fulfilled had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentations. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. Will you join me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit. Shine your light into the darkness of our world. Shine your light into our very souls. Open a space in us now to receive your word. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. When I was a little kid, I could not wait for Christmas to come every year. I was one of those kids who on Christmas Eve, I could not fall asleep. I would be up half the night just so excited that the next day would be Christmas morning. My parents would provide a, a magical experience every year. Presents under the tree. Our, our extended family would gather for big gatherings with lots of food to eat. And now that I'm on the other side of those magical experiences, I realize how much needs to go into them, right? Now, it's not that I can't wait for Christmas to get here. It's more like Christmas is a freight train coming down the track, and I have the choice to either run or get out of the way, right? Speaking of the magic of Christmas, amen. Magic of Christmas this year, right? Just 24 hours ago, so that's December 17th if you're keeping score, Brookie and I realized that we have not done any Christmas shopping yet this year. That's a little late to figure that out, right? One of the things that Clark has asked for consistently and over and over is that one of the only things on his list this year is a very hot toy item. I checked Two different stores today, both East and West Shore, Target and Walmart, are completely sold out of this toy. I checked some online retailers. They said they can't deliver until January 20th. No bueno. So I went online and found this toy from a reseller who obviously went to his local Walmart and Target and bought a few extra of these. And here is the kicker. I paid three times the retail price for this toy. Bah humbug. 
That was enough to ruin my Christmas spirit this year, right? What little I had worked up. But there's a lot of other things that sometimes can get us a little melancholy this time of year. You know, one of the Christmas traditions we have uh, with the boys is to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special every year. I mean, I've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special hundreds of times because we have it on DVD now, so sometimes we pull it out when it's not even Christmas and watch it. I've seen it hundreds of times, but as I watched it this year, uh, a certain line in there really jumped out at me that I don't think I had noticed quite as much before. So take a look. I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Charlie Brown. You're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. <laughs> Did you catch the line in there? I just don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel, Linus. Charles Schultz gave us a, a description of Blue Christmas. 50-some years ago now. You know that pressure to just put on a, a happy face? That pressure at the holidays to just smile and, and get through it? I also caught this in another piece of Christmas media that I enjoy around this time of year. The humorist David Sedaris does a series of monologues, and they're also in a book now called The Santa Land Diaries. And they chronicle the year that he spent as a Christmas elf, one of Santa's helpers at Bloomingdale's in New York City. He describes how he would come home at the end of each shift with sore cheek muscles. And here's how he puts it. It makes one's mouth hurt to speak with such forced merriment. Smiling until it hurts. But Pastor Nick, it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless it's not, right? It's the hap happiest season of all, uh, unless it's not. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow, which sounds stressful if you were in charge of getting the marshmallows and organizing the carolers, right? And everyone will tell you to be of good cheer because it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless it's not. To be honest, Christmas can be a difficult time for a whole host of reasons. Maybe it's a, a medical diagnosis. Maybe it's financial pressures or family struggles. Sometimes just sitting down at the Christmas table reminds you of someone who's no longer there with you. One writer I read this week said, as he gets older, he begins to experience Christmas more and more with, here's his words, a joyous melancholy. 
that he kind of ping-pongs back and forth between feeling the Christmas spirit, but then sometimes not. The theologian Charles Spurgeon once said, the strong are not always vigorous. The wise are not always ready. The brave are not always courageous. And the joyous are not always happy. So what do we do if we feel some of this joyous melancholy? Well, I would suggest that that we look someplace different than the usual suspects to find this elusive Christmas spirit. For me, this year, that was being down at the Harrisburg Mall for the Nativity. There was something really beautiful about bells ringing in the middle of the mall, about watching some teens give their time to play Christmas carols on brass, and hearing the Christmas story right there in the middle of the mall. One lady who was there shopping stopped as she was strolling by, watched the pageant go on, and then with tears in her eyes, she said it was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen in the mall. And it was beautiful. But on a night like tonight, I think we also have to remember the Christmas story the way it really was. Not, not the cute little kids dressed up as angels version, but the nitty-gritty, on-the-ground, real version. You know the section we don't usually read in church? We just heard it. After the wise men arrived, they mistakenly tipped their hand to King Herod. And King Herod was a bad dude. He had half the members of his family killed. And it puts the baby Jesus and his family in danger. And they have to go home by another route. Mary and Joseph and the baby have to flee to Egypt. And Herod goes on the rampage. The part of the Christmas story that we don't often remember goes by the nickname the killing of the innocents. I want to show you uh, a portrait that I found this week. I'll ask you to turn it on for me, Jay, if you would. This is by a French artist by the name of Cognette. He's not a very famous painter. Uh, he was mostly overlooked in his own day. But a lot of painters around this era painted a version of this scene, the killing of the innocents, and usually they're bloody and big spectacles with, with angels and soldiers battling and, and big, grand scenes. But Cognier, in his massacre of the innocents, decides instead to pull in tightly. He strips away everything else but this mother and her child. I mean, you can see a hint of the danger. You know, out the steps there, there are some people in panic and in chaos. But in this picture, it's all about this one mother and her child. And if you notice, she's shoeless and she's trapped in the corner. I want to show you a close-up here. When you look her in the eye, don't you imagine she could be a mother almost anywhere in the world? A refugee in Syria, 
a Palestinian on the West Bank, or maybe a mother fleeing violence and coming to our southern border. Or can you imagine a mother after a school shooting here in our own country? Clearly she is terrified for the evil that she knows is coming for her child. Kanye has painted a hauntingly beautiful picture. Well, where does this fit in? It's in the same story where the angels proclaimed peace on earth and goodwill to all. But evil King Herod still lurks right around the corner. So where's the good news in all of this? The good news is the direction that God is moving in this story. In the incarnation, God is moving toward us, toward our suffering and toward our pain. The Christmas story is declaring Emmanuel, that God is with us. And the Christ child is born not into the perfect world of our Christmas carols, but into the midst of our imperfect world. Christmas is the story of God moving toward us, toward our tears and toward our laughter, toward our sorrow and toward our joy, toward our fear and toward our courage. There is a promise in Christmas that the light shines into the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. You may know that Brookie and I uh, just had a concert this weekend and we sang the, the Christmas portion of the music from Messiah. There's one piece in there that I would gladly tear out of every version of the Messiah. His burthen is easy and his yoke is light. If you've ever sang it, it's the most difficult bunch of froofy little runs up and down the scale. It's my least favorite part to sing and my least favorite part to practice over and over and over. And I argued this year, why is this piece even in the Messiah, it's not even from the Christmas part of the story in the Bible. It's from chapter 11 of Matthew. But then I sort of realized that really it is part of the Christmas story. It's a reminder that Christ is moving toward us and into our suffering, into our pain, and into our grief. That Christ is coming to offer us a light in the darkness. So I'll leave you with Jesus' words. They aren't in the Christmas story, but they capture the spirit of it. So even if your hearts are heavy and you're feeling blue this Christmas, remember this from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thanks be to God, who comes toward us at Christmas. Amen. <laughs>